Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. Presented by Cape and Cowl Comics. I am Henry Liu, and today is Tuesday, February 6th. And, you know, it's been a while since we've had an episode focused on comics. You know, this is a comics podcast, and yeah, it's been a while, you know. I think we've touched upon some comics here and there, but there's been a heavy focus on film and television for a while now, so I thought it'd be a good idea to, you know, get back to our roots a little bit, talk some comics, right? Uh, so I thought I'd just kind of cover the titles that I'm reading right now and go into the archives a bit and just sort of chat a bit about some of my past favorites, yeah? Uh, so what am I reading right now? So first off, I want to say that one of the titles that, that has been on my list for quite some time just finished its run, the Black Mask book, Space Riders, issue four of uh, essentially its, its second series just came out, and that is the end of Space Riders, and I did just read it, and it's great. And uh, what a remarkable series this has been. I mean, it's essentially just been eight issues, four issues in its first run, and then in its subsequent run, another four, and that's it. And uh, yeah, can't say enough about Space Riders. Really good stuff. Um, I do recall the writer of Space Riders he came into Cape and Cowell Comics for a book club. I did attend that little session, and it was it was awesome. You know, he gave a lot of his side of things in terms of you know how he came up with what he came up with, and you know the the book is it's pretty out there. It's it's outer space and. Um, a lot of psychedelic imagery and um, a lot of awesome kind of hard-boiled characters. Kind of hard to, hard to explain just, you know, talking about it. it. It's really a comic book that needs to be experienced. You know, you got you to gotta crack it open and actually get your eyes on this thing. It, it's, it's, a, it's a trip. It's a total trip. Um, but I, I think I mentioned before on this show that you know, this book is particularly good good reading in an altered state. And, uh, you know, I mentioned that there is a lot of psychedelic imagery. And, yeah, sure, it kind of lends itself for, for that sort of thing. Um, and, and I did pose that question to the writer. So the writer is the great Fabian Rangel Jr. And... I asked, you know, like when when he came up with this stuff, did you or the artist on the book, Alex, Alexis Zirit, did you guys, you know, get high? Like, <laughs> what's the process here, you know? And uh, full disclosure, he, he, he said he, as well as the artist, were like completely sober, you know, coming up with this stuff, 
writing, drawing it uh, completely sober. Uh, and he said, like, he, he would never be able to get it done if he was high. It would just, like, knock him out, you know. Uh, so kind of an interesting uh, footnote there. Uh, I don't know if I wanted to hear, you know, that he he got high <laughs> creating this stuff, but it just sort of seemed like it. If you read this book, it is uh, it's definitely out there. It's a trip. Highly recommend. And like I said, it just came uh, to its conclusion. So, yeah, no more Space Riders. Kind of sad. Um, and I did, I think I did ask him that as well. Like, I think at the point of the book club, there... It wasn't official yet, I, at least I, uh, as far as I knew. Um, and I did ask him, it's like, oh, will, the, will there be more space riders after this second run? And he said, no, this is it. This is the end. And um, yeah, now that I've read the final issue, I, I, I do think, you know, I'm not going to spoil it or anything, but I do think, you know, I think they sort of got to say what they wanted to say. And, you know, in, in a way, the second run has been a bit of a rehash of the first run. Uh, so it could, I could see it being really repetitive if they continued on and on. So I think it was a good move to, you know, quit while you're ahead sort of thing, you know, finish on a high. Uh, so yeah, Space Riders will be missed. Great series. And, you know, I mentioned the last issue came out. Uh, I, I'm sure there will be a trade paperback uh, for uh, these final four issues, so keep an eye out on that as well. But, you know, in terms of what am I reading right now, um, I, I've kind of pared down my list a little bit, so I'm actually just at four titles at the moment. I was at five, uh, but Space Riders finished, so uh, now I'm at four. So those four are from the big two, Marvel and DC, Defenders from Marvel, uh, loving that book right now, and from DC, The Doomsday Clock, uh, really digging that as well. So first with Defenders, uh, this was, I, I'm sure I've mentioned this title previously, um, but really I got into it through hype for the TV show, the Netflix show, right, um, and didn't really expect to, to like it. As much as I have, you know, in a lot of ways, it's kind of eclipsed the TV show. There, there, there were aspects of the show that were kind of disappointing. And, you know, I've gone into detail on that previously, but the, the, the comic book has been kind of great all the way around, you know. Um, the, the writer is Brian Michael Bendis, and um, there's been a lot of ink on him fairly recently he's 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 shifting over to dc uh so i think this defenders book is essentially his final marvel project uh but it's great there's a lot of comedic moments in it and um the artist david marquez i don't know who he is i'm not familiar with his work at all prior to defenders but it's it's uh it's phenomenal it's really awesome and um yeah, all four defenders, Daredevil, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones. They look amazing in this book. And uh, yeah, it's great. It's it's all, it's kind of all the reasons, you know, you would want to read a comic about these four characters. It's very street level. They deal with 
villains like the Kingpin, Diamondback, Black Cat, you know, very street level. And um, like, yeah, a lot of the appeal of this particular aspect of the Marvel Universe is the kind of realistic side of things. You know, there, there aren't as many superpowers at play and certainly not the like the cosmic type stuff we see uh, in Marvel. You know, this is very grounded in reality. And it's, you know, heroes against villains on the street level. And, you know, we're talking fighting crime. You know, it's all about fighting crime. You know, it's not exactly saving the world, saving the universe. The stakes are a little, a little smaller, but in a great way. In a great way definitely so yeah i'm gonna continue with this i think bendis is is gonna be done with this title soon so um i know they're through nine issues right now i think 10 might be it uh so yeah i don't think there's there's much more but i've definitely enjoyed uh what i've read so far and i will see it to the end for sure and then like i mentioned on the DC side, Doomsday Clock. This was highly anticipated. I know Rainier and I talked about this. And um, we haven't talked about it since it's come out. And they're three issues in now. And it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Definitely, you know. Um, a lot, I mean, I don't, yeah. I'm going to continue with the, the non-spoiler theme here. So I won't spoil, like, major plot points. I'll definitely say I've been enjoying it, and it has the appeal of, you know, a lot of what I was looking forward to. You know, I was looking for, you know, the continuation of the story for the characters in the original Watchmen books, you know. Um, You do get that. And the other big part is, of course, the crossover between the Watchmen universe and the... uh, however you want to call it, the proper DC universe. Um, So you do see a lot of iconic characters meeting for the first time. And um, I'll leave it at that. You know, there's there's a lot of appeal on on that alone. And, um, you know, it's definitely in the style of the original Watchmen books too, which, you know, for some can be a little heavy, you know, it's a little heavy, and the plot is pretty dense, and it's, you know, it's not a quick read by any means. Um, going back to Space Riders, um, just briefly, Space Riders is a very quick read. There, there isn't a whole lot of dialogue in it. It is absolutely image-driven, um, and you can, you can burn through Space Riders pretty fast. Not so much with Doomsday Clock, you know. There is a, a lot of dialogue, a lot of words to get through, and, um, you know, it's layered. It, it's not uh, straightforward. Like, the storytelling is nuanced, and uh, it's definitely not a mindless read, but, you know, it shouldn't be. You know, if, if, this, if this indeed is a continuation of the Watchmen story, um, it should be this way. Absolutely. So what else? Um, so those are uh, the two from the big two. Uh, the other two titles I'm reading are Image Comics 
kill or be killed. I've definitely mentioned this before, but uh, this is great. Yeah, this is Ed Brubaker, the comics writer, Ed Brubaker at his best. Um, really cool shit. It's a vigilante story. Uh, really well illustrated, too. Sean Phillips, longtime Brubaker collaborator. He's uh, illustrating for him again. And uh, it's definitely a dynamic duo, Brubaker and Phillips. And you know, this might be this might be their best collaboration yet. And that's saying a lot because they've done a lot of cool stuff in the past. Um, but uh, yeah, I can't say enough with this one. You know, it definitely has the appeal of a vigilante story. You know, we've seen the vigilante archetype quite a bit in comics history you know we're talking punisher we're talking judge dread and rorschach from the watchman um but yeah like i said the uh the appeal of that is here but there's so much more too you know it it's kind of not what you might expect even as a as a brubaker diehard fan you know i thought it would be you know, Brubaker's twist on the vigilante archetype. And it is, um, but kind of not in the way you would think, you know. Um, I find this book is very, very self-aware, you know. Like, a, a lot of times the narrator, you know, the main character of the series, Dylan, he he's kind of the narrator of the story, too. And um, he kind of talks to you the audience at times it's pretty cool you know a lot of this self-awareness and kind of tongue-in-cheek too like he 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 makes jokes and he um he kind of calls out uh you know narrative points you know brubaker is uh is brilliant in the way he sort of crafts these stories you know uh they're they're never really like point a to point b right you know, you, you might think of it as uh, the way Quentin Tarantino puts together his films. You know, a lot of it is nonlinear. And so not only do you have that sort of um, nuanced storytelling, but it's, uh, but the, like I said, the, the, um, the, the protagonist, he, he kind of calls it out too. And it, it's just funny, you know, it's, it's very kind of jarring when you got, you get these time jumps and not only is there a time jump, but the, the, the narrator sort of like comments on it too so it, it's just it just makes for a really interesting reading experience you know so highly recommend kill or be killed um, also idw's assassinistas uh, this is pretty new right uh, just a couple issues in um, the writer is teeny howard and the artist is gilbert hernandez gilbert hernandez from love and rockets fame uh, really good stuff you know um this one's kind of hard to describe. It's it's about a group of female assassins, um, but it's kind of like their story, like way later, like twenty years after they were assassins. So like, what are they doing with their lives now? Kind of thing, and um, you know, it's called Assassinistas, and it does have images on the covers of like. Um, you know, female hit women, you know, toting guns and swords and stuff. And certainly the appeal of, 
you know, an action book is there. You know, you do get action scenes. Um, but it's it's pretty funny, too. Like, you, you might imagine, you know, like, um, you know, they're, they're, at least one of the assassinistas is, like, a parent now. I think, I think um, two of them, two of the three are parents now. And, you know, there's definitely comedic moments. Um, and there's also, like, LGBTQ themes in there. So it's just, it's, it's different, you know. It's, it's, a, it's a fun read. And it's, yeah, I, I certainly can't think of any other book like this, you know, current or in the past, you know. Um, so that, that's definitely worth, worth checking out. It's kind of weird, you know, um, maybe try it out and see sort of thing. But I'm definitely in it. I'm in for the long haul on this one for sure. So, yeah, that's it, you know, like, I, I do sort of keep track of, like, okay, what, what titles am I, like, current on? And right now, it's just these four, you know, like, more typically, it's closer to, like, eight, nine, ten, um, but it's pretty tight right now, which is good, like, I, I can feel, I, I can tend to be a bit overwhelmed if I got, like, too many titles, I start to get them, I start to get the stories mixed up, and that sort of thing um, and it also frees me up like I like to like dig in the archives a bit too um, you know if I'm bogged down by like I have to read these 10 titles and keep up to date with them I might tend not to dip into some some classic stuff you know so um, this is good this is good I'm in a good place right now with my my comics reading and speaking of comics you know before I forget I wanted to mention you know, the cool thing about comics, you know, I, I talked about how the show has been kind of TV and movies focused for a while now. The cool thing about comics is like you can get recommendations and, you know, even if you're like a longtime comics reader or you're a heavy comic reader, chances are you will probably not have heard of a lot of stuff that is recommended. You know, that there's such a vast library of comics out there and different genres different publishers and different creators so that's always cool like you know when you have conversations with people about oh like you know what tv shows are you watching right now or what what movies are you really digging right now there there's a there's a big chance that like you you are already watching this stuff or you're aware of it you know, right now, like, these TV conversations, like, everyone's kind of watching the same thing. It sort of feeds upon itself, right? It's like, oh, Stranger Things, everyone's got to watch this, you know, Game of Thrones. And the more people watch, the more you feel like, oh, I need to keep up. And then it becomes this water cooler thing. Um, but, yeah, with comics being, you know, less mainstream, it's kind of cool. You know, it's kind of cool how, like, the stuff I read is you know most likely like completely different from like another comics reader and and uh i love that you know i love i love the fact that you know you could have these conversations and be exposed to stuff that maybe you didn't have any idea about so keep the the lines of communication open you know comics people that's that's kind of like one of the best parts of of uh, comics fandom right Okay, so I talked about, like, delving into the classics, right, quote-unquote. 
So I thought it'd be appropriate to, yeah, just kind of go through some of uh, my favorite stuff from the past. You know, I talked about my current titles, but that's always fun to me, like just kind of looking back and considering like, oh, what are my favorite comics of all time, you know? Um, Yeah, I think um, an interesting exercise is to just sort of take a look back. It it can be nice to reread stuff too, right? Because um, like with anything, TV show, a movie, and yes, comics, things can sort of show their age over time, right? So there's that factor. Um, and new books, you know, even though, even though something is, you know, has just come out, that doesn't mean it can't have this like classic status, right? Instant classic, they call it. Um, but it's always great to like just continue to look at like what resonates most. Um, and I think the two big ones for me that have really held up uh, over time are the original Watchmen books and Frank Miller's Sin City. I think those two titles, those probably speak to me the most. You know, um, so little on Watchmen, you know, like this is highly considered to be one of the greatest comic series of all time. And, you know, like I mentioned, like, getting recommendations on stuff that maybe people generally aren't aware of so much. This is not in that category. This is this is kind of like, uh, you know, one of the, the big holy grails of, of the comics world, right? Um, that said, I think it still is great. You know, when I first read it, as well as when I reread it not that long ago, like about like a year ago or so, the the black and white version of the original Watchmen books came out. It was called Watchmen Noir, and that's when I revisited it. Uh, it's a little different because it is in black and white, but, you know, the main story is in, intact, obviously. And it's not like it was a different artist or anything. It was simply a black and white version of Dave Gibbons' original artwork, and of course the brilliant writing of Alan Moore. So, yeah, I mean, you know, what can be said that hasn't been said about about Watchmen? You know, it's it's so brilliant. You know, it is exciting uh, to hear there's a new Watchmen TV show in development. So definitely curious about that and off you know like I mentioned I'm currently reading the doomsday clock and that is the the current uh, continuation of the watchman story um, but yeah just speaking to the original material it, it's, it's so great like like a lot of classic stuff can be you know looked upon as groundbreaking and you know just the way uh, the Watchmen story was told was certainly groundbreaking. Like it was a very cinematic style, a style of comic storytelling that we never really saw before. It is groundbreaking, but um, oftentimes groundbreaking media can kind of become dated after the style has been adopted. You know, and you know the Watchmen style has certainly uh, been replicated. 
you know, uh, certainly uh, the, the, the continuation of the Watchmen stories, be it the current Doomsday Clock or uh, before Watchmen, which came out a few years ago. I mean, obviously those were in that Watchmen style. Um, but that's, you know, that's not, it's not just those. Like, I think the, the, uh, the storytelling of Watchmen, you know, like I said, this, this sort of cinematic style is uh, super influential. It has influenced like a generation of comics creators and um, pretty awesome, you know. But that's not, like I said, oh, yeah, m- my point was it's been influential, but it still, it still holds up, you know. Like, like I said, like about a year ago, I read this uh, Watchmen noir, and it is, it is still like super gripping and, um, yeah, like it's just the, the appeal is there, there are so many different levels of its appeal. I mean, it works as just kind of a straight up, um, kind of a, like a whodunit, you know, like, uh, the, the, the core, uh, narrative is, is Rorschach sort of investigating this murder, this murder that we see in the very beginning of the series, the murder of, of the comedian, right? Um, and the, and that's just in itself that sort of uh, investigation and and the, the peeling off of the layers and and these little um, these little moments of discovery like that it just works on that alone. But you know uh, the characterizations are are amazing too. You know, um, Alan Moore took these superhero archetypes and. You know, it's it's familiar territory. You know, these characters are are, are like you, we we are all familiar with them. You know, um, like I said with Rorschach, it's like that vigilante character. You know, like a la the Punisher, etc. Um, I think there's shades of Batman in that character too. You know, the detective work and that sort of thing, and sort of the dark side. Um, Alan Moore sort of plays on our knowledge, our previous knowledge of these superhero archetypes, um, but puts this like crazy spin on them. You know, he makes them like he he really darkens it. Like you know, what if the Watchmen existed in real life? Well, you know, they wouldn't be what we see in. Typically in comics, right? You know, if, if there was a guy um, like the Punisher in real life, he in real life he'd be a whole lot more like Rorschach, you know, um, who is like legitimately like crazy. He's a psychopath, you know. Uh, so there's a, there's sort of a identifiable feeling there, you know. Like it really is like wow. Okay, if this shit like we're really out there. Here's how it's going to go down. Like, and that's another big appeal, you know. Here's what what it's going to be, right? And um, and yeah, you know, like I said, not much more I can say. Like, there's been so much said already. So yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to focus too much on Watchmen. Uh, but yeah, let's move on to Sin City. So yeah, last year at San Diego Comic Con. I had the great honor of meeting Frank Miller, and um, I got a uh, 
a Sin City mini poster uh, signed by him. Great thrill. Awesome guy, too. And Sin City, I, in my opinion, is his masterpiece, you know, and he's had a career full of masterpieces. Another super influential comics creator, you know. And, um, yeah, I think his work on Batman and Daredevil are probably most well-known. I mean, he's certainly known for Sin City and 300, and, you know, they made movies out of those. But um, in terms of comics, I'm I'm sure he's known more for um, his Dark Knight books and his Daredevil books, you know. Um, And, you know, can't gloss over those. You know, he really really brought this dark edge to DC and Marvel. You know, those aren't... um, Independent, independent publishers like he brought this sort of indie edge to these major publishers, and uh, and I think he was part of this huge maturing of comics in the eighties, and um, yeah, with with uh, Dark Knight Returns and his run on Daredevil, that was huge. Um, what I will say, though, is I really think he, I mean, for me, he was just kind of getting started at that point. You know, in the 90s, that's when he created Sin City. And that was, I think that's when he hit his stride. Like, that stuff is so brilliant, you know. Um, with Frank Miller, he, he's at his best when he is writing and illustrating his own stories. And he, yes, he did that with with the Dark Knight books and with the Daredevil books. Um, but there's something about these Sin City comics that are like next level type shit, you know, amazing. Um, like, I mean, first of all, being able to do both is pretty damn impressive. You know, it takes a lot of time and effort. Like the, uh, everything else I've mentioned, like the current books I'm reading and like Watchmen, as great as they are, um, they are all like collaborative teams, you know, a writer and an artist. With Sin City, it's all Frank Miller. He's doing everything, and it is uh, it is so great. Like, it, here's an interesting question: like with comics, like how do you how do you critique comics? You know, do you like do you sort of um, compartmentalize. Oh, here's the, the writing is this good, and the artwork is this good. You know, it's it's kind of an obvious way to to evaluate comics, right? And, and it's very fair, especially when you consider that most of the time with a comic, the writer is a different person than the artist, right? But it it, it can be a bit of a trap too. I think there is a lot of overlap. You know, I mentioned that book club with Fabian Rangel Jr. on the Space Riders series, and he talked about how, like, there's there's heavy collaboration with him and his artist, Alexis Zirit, how, like, it wasn't just, oh, Rangel would come up with all the ideas and then Zirit would just draw them. You know, there, there was a lot of shit in Space Riders that was... The art, the artist's idea, like he came up with that stuff, 
you know, and we've heard stories about these amazing collaborative teams, you know, like Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Same thing, you know, like um, Stan Lee, the, the, the legendary writer, he certainly came up with, you know, the majority of all those classic Marvel storylines, but not exclusively, you know. I think Jack Kirby gets a lot of credit. He should get a lot of credit for the storytelling as well. And, you know, um, it's just not that cut and dry. Um, and, you know, I think for that reason, it makes Frank Miller's classic work that much more amazing like, because there, there's no argument there, right? With with his stuff, at least with his stuff that he writes and draws, you know, there, there, there's no debate. You, you, you can say definitively that it's like, oh, this is all his stuff, you know, 100%. Uh, he's the creator, and what you what you see is it's all Miller, you know, um, and uh, yeah, I think with Sin City, it's uh, you know I talked about like how how Watchmen you get there's a, there's a bit of realism, you know. Um, the, the the idea is take these superhero archetypes and and you ask yourself the question what if they existed in real life right that's like the big question right you know Sin City does not ask that question you know Frank Miller's artwork has always been a little bit on the on the abstract side and you know certainly with Sin City like the imagery is uh, is very stylized it's super cool but it doesn't look realistic it's not meant to be realistic and you know these stories are very like hard-boiled crime tales and the dialogue is very it's very like um like film noir you know it's not the way real people talk like you you look at this it's great dialogue you know uh, it's straight out of like a classic film noir movie but it's not the way real people talk now or back then right um and it's part of the fun, you know, it's, it's not, uh, like I said, it's not meant to be realistic. And you, it's, you just get transported into this world that looks nothing like real life, uh, sounds nothing like real life, feels nothing like real life. Um, and it's great. It's not to say that you can't identify with these characters. The characterizations are, are really great in this story. You understand all the motivations um yeah this this one character uh dwight in in particular um yeah you really you you never question why he does what he does like the, the storylines are very extreme um there's like life and death situations like panel to panel right um but you really understand him you, you get why he does what he does he's desperate at times and 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 you you understand the stakes um so even though it works on this really stylized abstract level it is grounded in like real decisions and and characters that you know you really understand um and also it has you know dwight's great um but it also has one of my like favorite comic book characters of all time miho she's the uh, the mute uh female ninja and she's just she's just so fucking badass you know um the the uh the, that mini poster i got signed 
by Frank Miller. It, it's of of Miho. It's, it's dope. It's it's like absolutely one of my cherished items now, no question. Uh, so what else here? Uh, so I mentioned um, you know kill or be killed. I, I, I even alluded to um, previous great works by the writer Ed Brubaker and um his stuff definitely goes in my like you know top of the list his career is just you know it's just amazing and he is uh he's one of those few guys like that like I'll like I'll be like I'm I'm sort of like I'm in he, you know I don't even need to know like <laughs> what the shit is about it's like if if Brubaker's writing it you know I'm in so um, that's not to say that everything he's done is a total classic. Uh, certainly, Kill or Be Killed, the current, his current title on Image Comics is, is great. Um, and there, there are certain few in his, uh, in his body of work that I consider like all-time greats. So one would be Criminal. So his, his, his run on Criminal is amazing. So that, that's another Sean Phillips collaboration. So the current... Uh, illustrator on Killer Be Killed. They, like I said, th- their best work might be right now with that Killer Be Killed book, but they did really awesome shit with with Criminal as well. And um, I like bringing up Criminal alongside Sin City because um, they are quite similar and polar opposites polar opposites at the same time kind of you know uh, they are bo- they're both these crime tales like hard-boiled crime tales you could tell that Frank Miller and Ed Brubaker are fans of like classic film noir um, and they also have a, a very similar element of like overlapping characters so I brought up Tarantino before and you know like um, Pulp Fiction stands out where uh, different parts of the movie, you know, different characters sort of come to the forefront, come to the forefront, and some characters like fall into the background, you know. But it's all kind of intertwined. We see the same thing with both Sin City and Criminal. You, you get this world where um, like different protagonists are leading the stories at different times. Um, but it's all sort of intermixed. You know, the, the protagonist in one story may be a, like a sub-character in another. And in another story, they might be just like in the background. They don't even speak. You know, you just see them. and It's, it's just kind of cool. And um, so those are the similarities. But they're, in a lot of ways, they're like polar opposites too because Criminal is kind of the, the real-world version of Sin City. You know, I like, talked about how Sin City is really abstract. And, you know, the way people talk is, like, totally unrealistic. It's That's completely 180'd in Criminal. Because in Criminal, um, you know, Brubaker, um, I've read a lot of interviews and whatnot from him. And he does, like, a lot of research. Like, he, he studies, like, criminology and, like, um, what real criminals have done in real life and like his shit like in criminal it's like all the stuff in there is based on like real crimes that have happened you know so it is totally based in reality like these are um 
you know, it's a fictional world, but it's completely based on what real criminals have done, how real criminals have behaved, and how real criminals talk to other cri real criminals. Um, and it really, it really like shows, you know, when you're reading this stuff, it really, it feels super real. Um, and, and, you know, it's not to say that you have to read both Sin City and Criminal to sort of get it all. Um, I think they both stand alone as these like masterpieces. Um, but in it kind of as a bonus, like they work sort of really well as sort of companion pieces too. So yeah, definitely love Criminal. Um, other Brubaker stuff, I have to call out uh, Velvet. So Velvet is another image book he did. And um, it, uh, it's kind of in, uh, not sure if, if it actually finished its run. So they did 15 issues. And I think it's kind of like on hiatus. I don't think it's, it's, uh, it's done. And when I say they, it's uh, Brubaker, the writer, and Steve Epting the artist is not uh, Phillips on this one. Um, but uh, Brubaker Epting is another great collaborative team. Yeah, and Velvet, it's great. It's um, it's a, it's essentially like a female James Bond story. It's really cool. The, the way they set it up, it, uh, it has a lot of the appeal of James Bond. It has international intrigue. It's a period piece, so it takes place in the past. There's gadgets. Um, there's uh, um, a lot of cool action in it, um, but it's it, it's the, the, yeah like I said the setup it's cool because the setup is um, it has all these like James Bond like male characters and then surprise is actually like the secretary who turns out to be like the baddest of them all and um, she has to sort of. Um, take the lead and, and figure out what is going on in this in this intricate uh, spy world and it, it, it's a, the short the short uh, pitch for it if you will is like what if money penny was the main character in the james bond series and she would happen to be like a total fucking badass you know that's velvet and um yeah really cool shit and speaking of the brubaker epting collaborative team um they collaborated previously in Marvel Comics for uh, definitely their most well-known collaboration, Captain America, where they created the character, the Winter Soldier. This is uh, one of the, the great Captain America storylines. And um, I think uh, probably what Brubaker is known best for for my money, I think I would, I would go for his his indie work over his Captain America comics, you know stuff like Killer Be Killed, Criminal, and Velvet. Um, but even that said, like that's that's how high a bar Brubaker sets, in my opinion. Like even his, you know, arguably fourth best work is still a classic. It's still a masterpiece. You know, all his stuff on on Cap was great and. Um, like that shift we all saw in the movies, you know, the uh, the Captain America first Avenger version of Cap to the Captain America Winter Soldier version of Cap, that's all Brubaker. Like um, for a long time in, com 
in comics, Captain America was that uh, that sort of golden boy hero we saw in, in Captain America 1, the first Captain America movie, um, where he was just sort of naive and just sort of uncomplicated, you know, just, just a hero and, um, and that's it, right? Um, it really, I feel like it really wasn't until Brubaker put his spin on Cap where there was this nuance, right? There was Cap started to question stuff. He started to question authority. He started questioning. He started started to question his own government. Um, and it has. Um, so we, saw, we talked about the, the the spy aspect and international intrigue of the Velvet books. We really saw that with with Brubaker's run on Captain America. And, you know, I think there's a clear reason why he teamed back up with Steve Epting to do Velvet because there, there's a similar sort of appeal there. Um, but, yeah, there was there was a, you know, I talked about maturing, you know, the, the maturing of comics in the 80s with, uh, with what Frank Miller brought to the table. I think a lot can be said with uh, Brubaker's take on Captain America. There was a maturing to that character there, too. So yeah, that's Brubaker, and I think pretty much hands down, Brubaker is my favorite current writer in in comics. Uh, what about artists? You know, um, yeah, I mentioned with with Brubaker, he's probably the only writer where I'm like, okay, whatever he does, I'm gonna take a look. You know, I'm, I'm gonna check it out. Um, with artists, I'll tend to do that more, like something catches my eye on me like who drew this i'm gonna like follow this guy you know um and maybe more than anyone is the artist jay lee like his stuff is so striking to me and um it can be tough sometimes because how great a comic is um i mean like i said before it's collaborative it it, it it's not just the writer and it's not just the artist it's the combination of the two and it's oftentimes it's not um compartmentalized you have to consider like um some crossover some crossover work that that each each uh, creator did um but you know that all said if there's one artist where it would be like well, even if the writing is kind of shitty, I'll probably enjoy it anyway. It'd probably be Jay Lee because his his illustrations are are just so amazing, you know. Um, so I think with with him, I I mean, I, I really wonder if he had like a really great writer to work with, like what kind of amazing work <laughs> that could be created. Because I do feel like maybe in his career. He hasn't had the luck of like really great stories, but there there are a couple cases I I think. Um, so I mentioned before Watchmen, right? So he did the illustrations for the Ozymandias story, and it's phenomenal, man. Um, and and the writer was Len Wein on that, so I think yeah, I think that was. W- one of the cases that I think Jay Lee really got got a great writer uh, to to go along with his amazing illustrations, and Jay Lee did a, a run on Captain America as well, and I think that was really awesome too. Um, 
this was like just before the Brubaker run, and I think I don't think a, a lot of people are aware of it. Like I, I think the readership was was really low, um, but it kind of like I talked about how um, like Brubaker brought this whole maturing to Cap. Like I, th- I think this happened. Um, with with the stuff Jay Lee worked on, I think that the problem was just no one read it, and it's like no one really cared about it. But you know, I, I certainly read it, and like I got a lot out of it. And there there was kind of that same aspect of like Cap's um, eyes being open to like these conspiracy theories and like how uh, the government cannot be trusted. You know, it's not what it seems, and um, perfect for Jay Lee's work because Jay Lee's work is really. Um, it, it feels like you're you're looking at someone's nightmare essentially <laughs> it's it's uh it's cool it, it's it's dark and it, it's it's very it's very compelling just to look at his his stuff like panel to panel it's like every every panel of his is is brilliant it's like a work of art so really awesome uh, so last little bit on jay lee you know just thinking back i, I think i kind of realized why he hasn't been able to um, have like a long string of awesome runs. Like I think the Ozymandias run and the Captain America run are, are, are really phenomenal. But I think the problem is he's mainly like a cover artist. I think he, he mainly gets his work through uh, cover art. I'm, I'm guessing a big part of it is like his style. Like I mentioned, each panel is like a total work of art. I think maybe it's like... It, it takes him a long time because panel to panel, I mean, it's intricate. You know, it's like I mentioned there's this nightmarish quality. Um, and I, d- I did mention way back when on this podcast that um, I did meet Jay Lee and I got some commissioned artwork from him. And it took a long time for me to get this. It's, it's um, It sounded simple enough. It was like a headshot of Captain America, right? Um, but you know, like I've been saying, like a headshot of Captain America is one thing for one artist, but from Jay Lee, it's, it's like a different thing. And you can see it in the final product. It it is, it is, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just artwork, like a little eight by 10 of Captain America's head. But, you know, it does have that Jay Lee, uh, nightmarish quality to it. It has like, there's a lot of shading and it is uh, it is signature Jay Lee work, and I can see why you know it took so long uh, to to create this, and I can sort of see why it's like oh maybe just the way he operates, maybe he works better as a cover artist because you know it probably takes him a, a long ass time <laughs> to create like a full comic. So uh, it would be pretty awesome if uh, you know he was he did more interiors, you know, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, I think. If if it if it meant like sacrificing, like the quality of his illustrations, yeah maybe yeah maybe not like just do what you're doing because um, I definitely appreciate like anything he puts out there right. All right so so good this feels good man like um, I think you know with a, with a comics podcast uh, at, at least more recently. We haven't talked about comics nearly enough, so um, I think this is a good, you know, check. And uh, I, I certainly want to like continue these little 
little uh, comics check-ins, you know, all the time. And um, what's cool too is this whole like evaluating, like what are the best comics of all time? What are my favorites? You know, um, they can change. You know, like uh, like even with uh, like stuff that I re- regard as like, oh, this is timeless and will always be great. Like I mentioned with Watchmen and Sin City. Like this is stuff like I read not long ago. Like like I want to keep like evaluating this, and um, yeah, I, I mentioned with Watchmen like a year ago. I wa- I, re- I read the uh, Watchmen Noir, but w- with Sin City, um, that was like a year ago or so too. You know, um, I hadn't read like the full run, like the whole run of Sin City. Um, so it was like about a year ago that I did get you know the full on comics experience and um yeah it was great you know like it really solidified what i had thought like i had read like i think the first four trades um and you know loved them um but yeah i hadn't read like the whole run so i did that more recently and yeah it was it was kind of like that was the confirmation there right so yeah there you go Keep on reading those comics. I'm going to keep reading them too. This is Farewell from Henry.